Hello, and welcome to season four of the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. This is a podcast designed to provide you with the inspiration, confidence, and strategies for transitioning out of campus-based positions in education. Hosts, Drs. Jamie Hoffman and Tom Studdard, pivoted out of campus-based positions, hold senior-level positions in organizations, and love it. What started as an idea that they thought might benefit a few is clearly filling a need across the nation with education professionals during the Great Resignation. Jamie and Tom are excited to be back for another season with over 25,000 downloads across our first three seasons. So have a seat or take a walk. However you listen to podcasts and get ready for ideas and inspiration. And if you think this podcast was awesome, please consider giving us a five-star rating. Hello, and welcome to Pivoting Out of EDU. I'm Jamie Hoffman. And I'm Tom Studdard. And we are here today with someone I've known for a long time. And I, I don't know if I want to add up the years, because that's definitely going to make me feel old. But I think it's probably 15-ish, which makes Tom and I real old since I met him when I was a student. Uh, I'm a, yourself, I'm, I am not old. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not, of course. Well, Chelsea Bente Russell is with us today. Chelsea, I met when she was an undergrad. Before this session, Chelsea, Tom was like, what role did she have when she was, you know, in, in uh, as a student? I was like, I don't know. She, I feel like she just did everything and did it so well that she won awards for everything. I just remember leading the award ceremonies and I was like, oh, another one for Chelsea. But it was all very much deserved. And uh and then it was so cool to get to just stay in touch with you. Um, you moved to D.C. to do schooling. We both married someone with the same name. Weird. Like first and last. First and last. Yes. My husband is called Dustin Russell. His Some of his friends call him Dusty. I don't call him Dusty. But your husband's Dusty Russell. Yes, he is. I, I love that you, the way you introduced your husband's name was uh they call him not 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 his <laughs> name is but they call him <laughs> they call him i call him love <laughs> that's nice or hey you can you go to the store on the way home <laughs> um anyway no chelsea you have been a joy to stay connected with and to see grow very much in your career i know that you um moved back from DC and Cal, Cal, back to California to be in your family, have two little children of your very own. And you were ascending into um, leadership positions in, or we were really in um, student affairs. And then you actually kind of recently made a pivot. And I thought that would be cool to chat with you about and how it's going because it is recent and we haven't had a whole lot of folks on our show where it's so recent. I also thought it was like a tiny bit ironic. I just said this to Tom earlier that like, I probably was one of the ones that was like, Chelsea, you totally need to go into student affairs. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? This is your life. And then I may or may not had a little chat with you about like pivoting out of EDU. And yes. I'm like, what, what does that say about me? But um, hopefully just helpful things. <laughs> no, the best <laughs> You've always had great advice. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for your willingness to be here. And um, we'd love it if you could get started with just 
I mean, I know I kind of walked everybody through uh, our life story, but if you could just walk everyone through your your path and what you did in campus-based roles and um, what kind of led up to your pivot as far as like what were the motivating factors to pursue something different and what are you doing now? Sure. Well, thank you both. I'm thrilled to be here and I feel very honored. I love your podcast. And fun fact, I never really listened to podcasts and started to do that during the pandemic. And you, you, your um, podcast was my first opening to podcasts. So um, thank you for all the guidance because you do provide so much guidance and support to folks who are thinking about their transition. So yeah. so as um, as you said, Jamie, I was very active, involved as a student um, at my at my undergrad, and loved the work. wasn't sure though if I wanted to stay in student affairs at that point of time, and so I took a gap year and uh, moved to DC. Had some fun. Was a DC tour guide. Loved that job, but I also interned at a higher ed um, association, and with that, I was it kind of solidified like, yeah, I want to stay in this path. And so I ended up going to the University of Maryland um, for my grad program, Go Terps, and um, got a grad assistantship at the Office of Student Conduct and wasn't even sure if I wanted to stay in student conduct. I was like, this is very different, not in the leadership realm that I thought I wanted to go in. And I just ended up loving it. And I was there, of course, for a couple of years and then transitioned to work at a community college in Northern Virginia as a student conduct, um, I don't even remember the title, but whatever, I was a student conduct person there and was there for a couple of years, really enjoyed it. I mean, it really was boots on the ground. I ran my own shop, you know, fresh out of grad school, um, <laughs> working with, you know, community college is a very different environment than a four year in terms of the population that you serve, but I actually really loved it, had a great supportive system um, there. But life happened and um, my partner and I decided we needed to make our way back towards California to be closer to family. And a position happened to open up at my undergrad. And I decided, you know, I can apply here or we can keep looking. He was like, no, go for it. And I did and ended up being kind of the first person to focus solely on student conduct for the university. Um, Prior to that, it was kind of spread out to folks. um, And I also was overseeing the care team kind of re-envisioning how that work um, should be done and could be handled around students of concern. And over time, just kind of continued to advance there um, for the last eight years and pretty much ended up as associate dean of students and was overseeing the basic needs program as well. So I had student conduct, basic needs, and care. Had 18 months of Title IX as an add-on, which I highly do not recommend to anybody. Um, Zero stars, do not recommend. (laughs) Um, That is not an add-on job for the record, but it was, you know, it was a good experience and I really did enjoy what I did. I, I loved it. But, you know, I think things happen and leadership shifted and I always said, you know, my bubble is good and if my bubble is good, I'm here. And when my bubble was no longer as good with some leadership shifts and changes that directly impacted me, I think it was really the domino effect um, of really reconsidering my experience in student affairs and what I wanted to do. And um, I always had this feeling in the background, like, should I be doing something else? Should I be doing more? What could I be doing? But never really put that to fruition because I really thought I was on this path to be a dean of students. That's what I thought 
I wanted to be, what I should be. And I think it just opened up so many more, um, I, I guess the blinders kind of came off, uh, came down in a way and kind of reflecting on what COVID did, doing some of the COVID response, like on top of everything, it was like, hey, Chelsea, you're going to be doing religious exemptions now. I'm like, what? <laughs> like for the vaccine. I'm like, I don't know things about this. You don't want me to do that. You know, and so some of those add-ons that just started to come, come with the work started to take its toll. And I realized my balance was off, that I was doing a lot more than I needed to. Um, I was paid decently, but I, you know, in my exit interview, they're like, okay, Chelsea, don't be surprised when we post your position at a higher level. And I'm like, of course, that's going to happen to me. But um, so all these things just kind of came to fruition that I just said, you know, this is, I need to really think about me at this point. I can't think about um my team who I loved and was, you know, doing great work with them. And I really need to focus on what is going to make me happy and find joy back in my day to day. Cause I was just finding that I was every day I found something that was not so great. And I was leaning more on that versus the good stuff that was happening as well. Had, you know, one of those heart to hearts with my partner and I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? And he's like, we can't move. And I said, yeah, you're right. Cause we've got two little ones and his position, he was two years in his job and was doing well. And so regionally we're kind of stuck. Um, the universities in the area were just not, you know, you kind of get pigeoned. And once you get to a certain place as associate Dean, the next natural step would be the Dean. Then it was like, well, maybe I look at getting a degree, the next degree, right? I've got a master's terminal degree. And I end up doing a cost benefit analysis. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense right now. I don't want the EDD personally. I want a law degree, but we also have a lot of student loan debt. He was supportive of it, but it was like, nope, this is, that's not going to work. <laughs> so then it was a, how low can I go salary wise? Cause I was thinking I have no transferable skills. There's nothing, right? I've got absolutely nothing. So I'm going to start from the beginning. So all these conversations we're having, and this was around last year at this time. And um, finally I, I kind of refocused. I joined the expats group on Facebook. I started listening to your podcast and I'm like, okay, I have things that I can do <laughs> that are transferable, you know, and you kind of have to prep yourself and, and talk yourself up and talk with friends. I talked with Jamie and, you know, just kind of really thought about what, what a pivot would look like for me realistically. And I also was thinking about where am I going to find joy? What is that going to look like? And because we were regionally bound, it was either look local or look remote. And um, as I was kind of looking at positions that were remote, it just wasn't quite like singing to me. And I thought about what I really liked doing. And I, I liked the project management stuff that I was involved with. I liked leading a team, but I also knew that if I'm doing a shift, I may not have that right away because I'm going to be learning and that's okay. And I really liked the work I was doing with basic needs. But with that, I was always frustrated that higher education has to do basic needs work. And I say that not in the sense that it's not important. It's absolutely essential. We all need our fundamental basic needs. But I went into education to be an educator. I did not go into education to fulfill people's basic needs. And that, to me, was a societal downfall. It's a societal downfall. We're, we're failing as a society right now. And we're duplicating benefits 
to take care of populations at our campuses. And to me, that just, that was kind of my light, I guess, that was kind of guiding my search and what would make sense for me. So I started looking at different policy organizations around food justice, around housing, started my search in that that way and was pretty selective. I wasn't like casting a wide net because I really wanted to be intentional about what this looked like. And I didn't, I wasn't at a space of desperation. And so as I um, started applying, a pos- or two positions opened up with the county that I live in, in the community development division, which deals directly with homelessness and housing. And it's in the county executive office. And as I reviewed the position description, I was like, check, 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 check for all the required. I had no preferred qualifications, but I had all the required. And I was like, I've got transferable stuff. Like I know this could, you know, if they let me in, maybe, you know, and I actually had worked with a couple of those folks through the basic needs program. So I had a little bit of a connection and leaned in towards the homeless management analyst position because I felt like I know a little bit more about that. And I didn't get it. And I was like, okay, onward. But then my uh, now supervisor, reached out to me and she does housing development. And she said, let me just have a chat with you after I had gone through the interview process. And it was this real transparent, open dialogue about what the position was, what it entails and what I'd be looking at doing. And um, I really appreciated the honesty. You know, um, I don't think you always get that opportunity to have that through an interview process. And I, you know, was like, this seems like a good thing. And they were willing to match my salary and then some, and I'm up for merit increase. And I actually get to work remotely or hybrid, whatever I want to do. And I get to do site visits. And I was like, this is kind of the best of all worlds. And I don't have to supervise anybody right now. It seemed like a good thing. And I said, you know what, let me go ahead and lean in on this. And um, when I announced to my then supervisor and VP, I didn't really feel like the, I didn't really feel that like, we want you to stay feeling or maybe there was that, but it, the negotiation, the things I may have expected to come didn't come. And I'm like, okay, then I'm out. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm good. And I gave my two weeks and I started in January, 2022. Wow. That's an amazing journey and an amazing ride. And I am really thankful that you shared that story with us. And there's, There's a lot to unpack there. I want to dig in a little bit to your current position and sort of the day-to-day, particularly as you talked about project management. uh, And there's a little bit of sort of the passion as well that you you bring to a role, which I think a lot of folks are nervous about. You know, they go into education and they're passionate about education. They're passionate about, quote unquote, making a difference. And so they're nervous about moving out of education because they're like, well, it's just going to be a technical job or it's just going to be like all about profits or, you know, I'm not going to be able to sort of, fit into that world. And so I want to dig in a little bit to that as well. But, uh, you know, one of the things that you, that you talked about was that, that recognition that there, that, that this, this is, this is the next, like there's a next step. Right. But the other piece that you talked about that I, that I found really interesting, and I think a lot of our user or a lot of our users, that's clearly I'm using language <laughs> for my own job. Um, a lot of our listeners will, will resonate with is that you wanted to be able to select the type of environment and remote wasn't necessarily for you. I think a lot of people have, or fully for you. Right. And I think a lot of people today, particularly today's world are like, it's gotta be remote or nothing else. Like I gotta work remote. And there's a challenge there, right? Like there's a little bit of a give up 
if you go fully remote that I don't necessarily know if everybody really understands. And so I'm really interested to sort of hear that. So all that to say, like my, my follow-up question to you is talk to me a little bit about sort of the day-to-day of what it is that you do, um, particularly as it relates to some of the, like the project management skills and that passion that, that we, that you've talked about, but then also give me a little bit of a highlight on like, what was it about sort of being able to be hybrid site visits, remote and office that, that really spoke to you? Yeah. Um, so for my day-to-day, um, a lot of it is grants administration. And so we receive funding from the federal government, um, housing and urban development. We receive funds from the state. And so a lot of this is managing these funds, leveraging the funds so that we can help create affordable housing units and, and work with um project partners through that, usually nonprofits um, that are coming forward to us and requesting these funding um, sources. And then we are responsible for making sure that all the all the boxes are checked in terms of environmental reviews, um, monitoring, uh, writing deeds of trust and covenants and things like this, things that I had no idea I'd be totally getting into, like full disclosure. Some of this I knew would be part of the job, but some of it I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to know a lot about housing and kind of real estate and commercial development that I didn't think I would, would fully be part of this position. And then some of the cool aspects of it is that we go out and do site visits um, of the projects to see how they're developing. So I was just out in a community uh, for a project that we're working on that's going to bring 12 tiny homes um, or 10 tiny homes for transitional age youth and it's transitional housing. And so it's kind of been a fun project for me to be a part of because that's obviously working with students. I'm like, that's, you know, the population, our bread and butter. And then, um, you know, sometimes it's working on board letters to go to the board of supervisors for approvals of appropriations or to get resolutions that can help these projects move forward as well. So I presented the board of supervisors a few weeks ago. I mean, that's a nerve wracking thing, but it's kind of fun and exciting too on the, on the other side. And I do a lot of writing, a lot of Excel spreadsheets, a lot of research. So as my boss told me through the interview process, there are some very boring parts of the job and there are some really cool parts of the job. And if you stick with it, you can really see the outcomes and the cool parts. And it's it's so true. I was just in an event last night and hearing from somebody with the lived experience who now has just moved into housing. She's 66, just moved into housing for the first time that's permanent. And you know, to hear those narratives and those stories and knowing that just one unit makes a difference for that person but, you know, we're working on units of, you know, developments anywhere from 12 to 77, uh, you know, or, or more. Um, that's, that's, what, that's what it's about. And so, um, you know, and everybody needs a home. So I think that's kind of where the, the light comes out. And I'm a part of a really cool team. And so even with the dryness of some of the work that we might have to do, they are a colorful, fun bunch that have a lot of heart and passion around these issues. So um, I think I've been really fortunate in my placement and what I'm and where I'm at. And then going to your other question, Tom, about just, you know, the type of environment I work, want to work in, I will say it's been a huge difference to go from talking to people every single hour on the hour, whether it's students, staff, or faculty, and dealing with some of navigating the emotional pieces that come with the work that I was doing, right? Whether it's I'm upset at how this student is talking with me and trying to coach through that that's not a conduct issue, 
to, you know, helping a student navigate their situation or getting them connected to counseling, so on and so forth. So that's been probably the weirdest thing to leave out of my portfolio, um, to not have that emotional piece. And so when I thought about my, you know, work environment, it was like, remote's cool, but it's a little lonely. Like I had to get a puppy, like, you know, I needed a dog um, because there was some, there's days where I don't really talk with anyone except email or teams. And um, it just recently I'd made the decision. I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to go in once a week um, just so that I can see people in 3D and have that kind of, you know, that interpersonal connections with folks in a different way. And that I think for me, I, I like that a little bit. And I think it also kind of helps me just stay on, on task and feel like I've got this kind of option. And I could go in full time, but I don't want to go in full time either. You know, I want that level of flexibility. And I think I'm really fortunate in that our our area head or deputy executive director, she's like, do what you want as long as you do your job. So, um, which is very refreshing. Very, very refreshing. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it, it's, it is great to hear. It, you're right. I, well, that your, your comment about the interview process and the honesty, that isn't typically something I did experience in higher ed, but it, it's interesting. We've never mentioned this on the show. We haven't actually talked that much about interviewing. And that's partly because it's like all, in my opinion, it's all over the place. Right. Um, but I, that is a commonality. I would say people are much more like, this is, this is what this job is for good and for bad. They're definitely much more direct about it. So that's, that's good to have called that out. When you, you can compare now, as far as like what you expected the role to be and just how it differs, what are there things that you miss or things you wish you would have thought about, or is it generally like, this is the good, a good space for you to be in right now? Yeah. Um, the the thing I honestly miss the most was having the team and kind of having having the know-how, <laughs> you know, um, but that's yeah. one of those things that comes with time. And I know that. And, you know, what I am gaining out of this is I'm learning a lot um, every single day. I mean, the learning curve is huge. I've bought, I don't know how many books on housing policy and affordable housing development. <laughs> like it's getting another master's degree. But I think what was really refreshing probably the first within the first like few days few weeks of being in the position was I wasn't getting these after hours emails text messages nothing like that which I was getting almost on the daily and sometimes it was not emerging needs right they weren't emergency issues and I was just getting these things that were coming up and it was like this is not this is not a 10 you know this is a five so let's calm it down a little bit and like, I went on vacation within the first week or first month, excuse me, that I had planned prior to getting the position. And I actually went on vacation. Like I did not have to deal with work. And I think that's the other piece is that, yes, there are stressful pieces with this position and the work that we do. You know, there's project pieces that could, or there's things that could come up that could really almost destroy an entire project from going forward. And so you're kind of navigating these challenges and these issues that come about. but it's still not to the same degree that I felt prior. And so that to me, I feel so much more balanced in my day to day. I feel like 
I'm still doing work that I care about. Um, it's affordable housing month right now in the month of May. And there's like a meme out there. It's like, if you care about education, you care about affordable housing or you care about affordable housing, you care about education, whatever. And it's, it's true. Yeah. I do. And maybe down the line, I might go back to education, but I'm like, we need to deal with this housing crisis. <laughs> so, um, at this moment, at this time and place, I feel like this is the right place for me to be. And I've, I'm also gaining a great appreciation of just how much local state federal government works together in all these different ways for the benefit of people and oftentimes the ways that we don't commonly see it right we see the politicians out there in the front but there's so much work that happens behind the scenes that really support people and i knew that because i was a political science major but like you don't really know it till you're in it in it and i'm seeing it in a variety of ways I love that. Um, and I, I remember that about you as far as your passion kind of extending beyond education. So it does, it seems like this is like a, a great niche for you. Um, I think people would probably be wondering about the negotiation process with a city job. I don't even know what I would advise people. I mean, I know I can say to suggest to ask for, but I'm just curious whatever you're willing to share with regard to how, I mean, definitely we understand you were in uh, associate dean role and in a different probably level right now, but how has this all affected your, your benefits package holistically and what was the negotiation process like? Yeah. Um, so I'm admittedly not the best negotiator. <laughs> I always just downplay myself, which is my own bad and my own fault. Um, similar to a lot of university settings, they will provide a range because they have to. It's a government transparency piece. And um, I, within the, it felt reasonable within the range. I wasn't sure where that I could sit in place. And I was like, I don't know this work. I'm so used to almost being kind of smushed down in a university world that you're going to get the bottom of the range, right? <laughs> and that's what I'm like conditioned to think. So I'm like, okay, I'll go 10 under what I currently make because clearly they're not going to go for me and hire me. That's again, my own poorness of, of negotiation. Don't take my tips here, people. Um, but when I went through the interview process and when I did have that dialogue with my supervisor, she said, okay, I want to know where you're at. Cause I want this to be, you know, what did, what you put down, is that what you're looking for? And I said, well, you know, it's a little bit less than what I make. And she goes, okay, tell me where you're at. <laughs> so I did. And she goes, okay, let me see. I want to try to make this as competitive as possible for you. And so they almost did it for me, um, <laughs> you know, uh, and which I appreciated. And maybe that's just, I also felt like that was reflective of just the the team that I was kind of stepping into that they were really kind of pushing and, and willing to, to meet me where I was currently, which I, again, I didn't feel like it was uncomfortable. And I actually feel like I'm appropriately paid for the level of work I'm doing. I'm not overworking, you know, and I feel like I was overworking previously and I'm up for merit pay every six months. So, you know, that's a huge piece that I think for local government, city government, county, if they're in a good financial position, that's, that might be something that's, feasible. Benefits wise are pretty similar in a lot of ways. I mean, I was at a four-year public institution. The insurance wasn't as good, but still get good insurance, um, still get a lot of wellness benefits. Like there's a lot of pieces that are kind of beyond 
um, what I was getting at university. And, and I think the flexibility with work was such a huge piece for me too. I'm like, that was really what I was kind of looking for (laughs) university. And it was like, get back to work. And I was like, well, I I've been working, like I've been working really hard, if not harder than I normally have. And they're like, well, we've never done remote work before. I'm like, we just been doing it for 18 months. Like, what are you talking about? So, um, you know, our, the field of higher ed just is not really moving along with the direction that people are seeking and wanting, you know, in terms of the flexibility that they did gain out of COVID. And so um, that's, yeah, I hope I answered your question, Jamie, but yeah. Yeah, it, yeah I think it, I think it totally did. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that last comment, right? Like most people think like when they move to corporate, it's going to be get back to work, right? It's going to be like sitting at your desk and produce, but that's really what we did in higher ed. And right. like, while I certainly, you know, in my role feel like there's, there's work to do, like there's, there's sort of nonstop work to do. Like I can, yeah. I can come in at midnight and do it if I want. Is the expectation that I come in at midnight and do it? No. Yeah. Where when I was on a college campus, there was an expectation like, so it's 1130. Why are you leaving? Um, right. And so I, I appreciate that. So I, I'm going to ask you one sort of final question in summary, and it's going to be in multiple parts as any final question might be. <laughs> So I'd like you to just bullet point for me, like the three skills that you learned in, uh, in your campus-based position that really helped you pivot and you apply today. And then I want you to end it with just one sentence of advice for our listeners who are potentially looking to make that original pivot out of higher ed. You know, what would you tell them? So I think that I'm seeing I, every day I'm, I'm noticing things that I, that are totally transferable and, and, and help me. I would say the compliance piece around student conduct and kind of understanding the federal laws and state laws and case law that comes along with it. It's totally applicable in kind of a public administration, city government, local government world. You know, effective communication, both writing and um, verbal has been really helpful just in my navigation. It's you know, I produce something and they're like, okay, Chelsea, minimal edits. I'm like, great, you know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Um, and then I think probably the, the critical thinking, you know, you have to kind of think about every which way something could happen or go awry or how you apply certain regulations to things. Can you work around it? Those types of pieces, which I felt like I was consistently doing in my previous work. So I would say those are probably the the three things that I've noticed the most so far. And that every once in a while, I bust out this random student affairs-y thing, like, hey, look what I did on Canva. And the team's like, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. So, you know, there's all these little like tricks that we have up our sleeve that we don't even realize we have. Um, So anyway, that's just a fun little thing. And then I think in terms of, you know, for those looking to transition and pivot, I think when we we do have those transferable skills, and especially if folks are interested in working in local, state, federal government, like especially local, I, I think local government, what's nice is I felt community working at a university and a college, but you actually get community in a broader sense working in local government. And I was just in an event last night and it was amazing how many folks I know even just in the short time I've been in my role that I've been able to engage with and talk about that all have the same care around these issues. And some of them outside of the the world of affordable housing, some of them I had met in the community when I worked at the university. And so I think, um, you know, there is community beyond 
the university that I think we get so used to. Um, and that actually kind of makes us feel like I'm do got this stuff going on, but it's like, no, it's, it's actually there too. And, and, and a local level. So, and I would also just word of caution that as if folks are looking at local government, you know, make sure you pay attention to the politics of that government too, because it may not always align with your own realm. And so that's a really critical piece that, you know, be mindful about where they might sit and where the positions might be. And I just happen to be fortunate that I'm aligned and, but even then we still have to push. And so I infiltrated the government to kind of push my own agenda, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> okay. Don't tell the FBI that, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, mum's the word. I don't know any FBI agent, but you're good. Um, uh, so Chelsea, this has been a fascinating conversation. We are so thankful that you joined us. Uh, when Jamie was telling me a little bit about your background, I was super excited. And then obviously, um, her having a connection with you as a former student obviously makes this special for, for her and, and, and quite frankly, for both of us. So thank you for joining us for the, for the podcast. We really appreciate, I think, uh, some of the things that you've talked about, for example, you know, making sure you understand the industry that you're going into, you know, government work, you know, it's different for, for than, than probably a lot of our other uh, folks who've been on the podcast. And uh, it's one of the, it's one of the sections of the pyramid that we talk about when you're going through and making a decision, you know, you have to figure out what industry do you want to go into and is government work going to be okay for you? And it sounds like it's, it's uh, paid off dividends for you. So thank you so much for being here for all of our listeners out there. We want to thank you for joining us for this episode of pivoting out of BDU. Make sure that you visit our website uh, for resources as well as our consult efforts. And then uh, make sure you join us next week as well, as we bring to you another guest on pivoting out of BDU. Thank you for listening to Pivoting Out of EDU. In addition to our podcast, we offer various ways to get support as you work through your career transition, including digital resources, one-to-one -one consulting, group workshops, and cohort-based blended learning experiences. For more information about these services and show notes, visit pivotingoutofedu.com. And if you haven't done so already, join our LinkedIn group called EDU Pivoters, where we share job opportunities and foster engagement between those who have pivoted and those who want to pivot.